0: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And of course, uh, we have a topic very important (laughs) coming back to to our consciousness these days um, because of 9-11, um, we're, I'm going to be talking with a guest who is the assistant publisher of Kajito. the, <laughs> I'm proud to say my own, uh, where my own book is published, Bad Girls, um, and the new book that's coming out is Bin Laden, The Final Days. This book is going to answer all the <laughs> what you've always wanted to know about Bin Laden, but were afraid to ask. How was he already on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitive list before 9-11? How was he able to evade capture until almost 10 years later? Who knew where he was hiding and why didn't they tell? What was life like for bin Laden during those years leading up to his final and fatal capture on May second, 2011? Was he aware of this imminent threat? Well, my guest today, Dr. Catherine Slackman, uh uh-huh, is going to answer those questions and more. She is a uh has a PhD in political science and a postdoc in criminology and that seems like the perfect combination um to be contemplating the last days of bin Laden, which was actually pub- written by Guy Brandon. So um this is gonna be a very um I mean I we're <laughs> we're talking before nine eleven now, but I know I'll wanna I'll wanna revisit this topic. Uh, again, because, well, first of all, this is a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I've written a book called Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, that was published in the UK. So ever since 9-11, I've been uh, researching and extremely involved with terrorism and trying to, well, from my angle, the psychological aspect, trying to help people cope with the ongoing threat, and to recognize how uh, they have already been impacted by 9-11 and all the terrorist acts that have been occurring around the world, because people are sticking their heads 10 years later, still sticking their heads in the sand. And so um, that's that's not a very healthy place to be, since we have to wake up and realize that this threat is not going away, even though <laughs> Osama bin Laden... Has gone away, so to speak. So, welcome to the show, Catherine.
3: Thank you so much, Dr. Lieberman. I'm very happy to be here with you this afternoon.
2: Well, tell me about. um, I mean, obviously, there's there's so much um, in this book. What, first of all, tell me about your involvement. How did you? um, How did this? When did when or how did this come under your auspices? And what involvement did you actually
3: have? Well, I was very fortunate to come with Kujito in the last month and I did the final edit on the Osama Bin Laden book and I got a chance to review it and it's one of the most interesting journalistic books I've read in a very long time. It actually reads uh, like a thriller. Mm. So it allows us to step inside Operation Neptune's Deer and to relive every moment of it. Um, so it travels through time and space. It takes us on the scene as if we were witnessing the unfolding of events.
2: Mm.
3: And at wow. the same time, um, it's a very exciting book, and this is what I enjoyed about it the most as a political analyst, is that it provides a very interesting perspectives from both the Middle East and American experts. Well,
2: is that what, I mean, of course I've read the description, so it, that, and it says following two distinct narratives. Is that the two distinct narratives? The, from the Middle East perspective and the American perspective?
3: Indeed, because the, the book unfolds really as if you're reading a spy novel, almost. And that's kind of the narrative throughout the whole investigation. It's very captivating. Uh, in this sense, and this is this is the two narratives. This is the f- underlying uh, political analysis. Um, it presents events as they unfold in the United States from a number of key actors, including the president uh, and the Pentagon, um, and all the key a- actors before the events unfold and afterwards. And then at the same time, you have other chapters that discuss the reaction throughout the Middle East um, and with religious figures and other perspectives from the region. Therefore, the author avoids some pitfalls Mm. um, because he really presents both sides of it. He doesn't take a side. He just presents the events as they unfold.
2: Now, um, hmm... Well, okay, so of course, one of the key um controversial points uh in in as we know it today i mean i i since the book isn't out yet it's coming out on on nine eleven right, right. Um, uh, I haven't read it yet, obviously, but um the the um certainly this this question is how much, and of course, what's affecting our our current foreign relations is how much did Pakistan know? I mean, it seems it seems like they had to have known. But t- tell us about that.
3: Well, um, the author, uh, Dr. Brandon Franklin Hurst, is an expert in religious studies. He holds his PhD from Cambridge University, and he has extensive experience investigating Middle Eastern affairs. Um, so he had access to information um, and was able to write his journalistic account of events from first-hand information. Um, however, uh, there is no pretension um, of ultimate truth. <clears throat> there is always room for interpretation.
2: Okay. But
3: he presents Event, the, um, the novelty and the value of his novel, which is more than novel, it's an actual account and an analysis, is that it enables us to understand everything that happened to enable the taking down of Osama bin Laden and his demise. Um, it investigates the life of Osama bin Laden, and it takes us to the scene, However, it does not pretend, um, it does not have a value judgment. It describes for us, it reports for us, and it offers us every single perspective. And it's up to the reader uh, to come with his own conclusion.
2: Okay, so
3: what does it say about how much
2: Pakistan knew?
3: Well, it, it opens doors, it uh, raises some questions. Um, but it does not have this pretense of answering that question either. It, it tells us what the CIA tells us, what other key uh, institutions of okay. the United States security apparatus tell us, right? But the author, Dr. Hurst, does not himself take a position on the I topic.
2: Okay, but but for example, in the description, it talks about um, how. Well, in fact, it says it is impossible that no one was made aware of bin Laden's location, given that he sought refuge in the largest compound on Pakistani soil. In this same light, it is fair to assume that many were complicit in bin Laden's scheme. He ran a massive compound and employed many locals. He had many women and one wife he presumably sacrificed for his own safety. So when the raid took place and bin Laden was killed along with 16 others, Were these his accomplices or simply innocent bystanders? I mean, that sort of leads one to believe that, That I mean, for example, how could he have employed many locals without people knowing
3: who he was? Well, the book actually raises these questions, um, and the author, I cannot answer for him, of course, Um, but the information provided leads us to believe that, indeed, the Pakistani government would have had information, and... Another key dimension that is discussed is why were they informed at the very last minute after the action was accomplished?
2: Why were you informed?
3: By the timeline and the description of events, um, there is this understanding that uh, we wanted to avoid the Pakistani government to be aware of the operation because we feared that it would lead to the failure of the operation. So, there is a number of um underlying assumptions that are made in the narration of events yet no no position is taken but the information is revealed, and questions are raised, and the reader can only conclude that of course the Pakistani government had some extensive knowledge um but that's up for the reader to conclude because as the present uh data exists there is no way to conclude anything um to lead the reader to that conclusion okay um to that extent uh, but the the um, the what you have to understand which is amazing about this book is that it gives us the voice of the key actors the description is Captivating. It recalls everything that was stated, everything that was said. It has a scientific quality to it.
2: Well, are you trying to not give any information about it? I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm pulling teeth
3: here. No, <laughs> no, but, you know, but who knows? Like, I, I mean, well, I'm not making you commit of answers, to anything, but you have to read it. I mean, it's hey. a...
2: <laughs> well, yes, of course, but and yes, I'm not saying to make you, you know, personally responsible for what is true or not, but... But, you know, I would like to give my listeners a little more of an insight into, I mean, I'm sure it's a big, how many, let's see, it's um, 300 pages. I'm sure you're not going to be able to give it all away. Um, you know, I'd like to, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't One of the things I'm interested in, and of course the picture on the cover is fabulous, it shows bin Laden, um, this is a famous picture, it shows bin Laden sitting under a blanket uh, in a very bare room, watching television, watching, I think, I I seem to remember that picture that it was CNN,
3: right? Indeed, and he looks so old and decrepit, and this really captures the spirit of the novel, um, which is more than a novel, actually, it's a journalistic account, but it portrays the situation as it unfolded. This is the man that was captured and then eventually... Died. And oh, okay. so met his demise in the sea. So this picture of the cover captures this. And the author really, really, um, tells us so much about the details of the operation. It reads, have you read, um, the amazing novels of Vince Flynn and Danielle Silva? No. And um, well, they're great authors. And nonetheless, but these are really captivating spy thrillers. And this book is written with the journalistic integrity of an author that has scientific integrity.
2: O- it's okay. amazing. So it reads Heather, like this. I it, need you to talk about some kind of content in the book. I mean, oh. I'm sure it's a fabulous book. I will read it, devour it from cover to cover. Okay, uh, so I, no, we will tell like people this. how to get okay. it. Okay. But so we need you. to have it's a little bit of an insight here into
3: what is actually in the book.
2: Well, it I mean, tells us
3: a lot. Um, this is how the book is structured. It starts like this: it presents Op-ra- Operation Neptune Spear as it happened from the White House's perspective, and then it gets into the actual operation. So we are in the eyes of the Navy SEALs that actually went down, and we see everything. We see all the characters. We see the woman. We see Bin Laden, we see resistance, we see the helicopter crashing, we see everything as it actually happens. So these are the first chapters. And then we get into this very interesting analysis um, that describes, first of all, where Bin Laden came from. Where did he come from? How did he get the power? What is his relationship to Saudi Arabia? can you talk me
2: about this? I mean, I was starting to say about the picture. What was his life like before the capture?
3: Apparently, it seemed like it was a very recluse life, deprived of contact, deprived of glory, deprived of just basic human dignity. Uh, this is what the picture tells the reader, and this is what the book tells the reader. It gets into those... Very, um anecdotical details, uh, that are very interesting. We want to know who is Osama bin Laden? Who is his father? This is what the book gets into when it starts to analyze his background and his secretive life. Well, could you tell,
2: could you share some of that? He,
3: well, yes, of course. Um well, it, it relates the story of his father that went through different countries that eventually arrived in Saudi Arabia to become one of the most powerful men in the country. Coming from nothing and rising to this, um, this orotical rise, this very powerful rise, um, to a position of power in terms of political ability and in terms of economic ability. And so Osama was born into this very f- famous family in Saudi. Um, but he was different from his brothers. He had, apparently, according um, to Dr. Hearst, a time of partying. He had many times in his life, and this book looks into it. Um, it reveals uh, some uh, testimonies from hotel clerks uh, in Europe that had him rent a suite. Um, and it looks into his darker operative secrets at the same time um, as the head of Al-Qaeda. So it's very rich in terms of those details, and it really gives us a glimpse into Osama's life as a person, both as a very powerful, infamous political man, and at the same time as just a simple man.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Who he was, where he came from, who his family was, what were his vulnerabilities, his relationship with polygamy, yes, uh, his father's relationship with polygamy. Tell us about
2: that. Tell us about his relationship with women.
3: He had a number of women uh, that were his wives. Um, but he seemed to follow, uh, as is in father's tradition, whereas he always kept the number legal, down to a certain number, uh, depending on the country's laws. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had a number of children, and he did not seem to have a very affectionate, emotionally alive uh, relationship with the woman of his life. Um, According to what we understand from the novel, and account of Dr. Hurst um, Osama bin Laden was a very lonely man. Mhm. Very very lonely. Uh he had very fundamental trust issues. He could not um, have a relationship that uh that would allow him to be a happy person. This is what we get. We read the novel It's almost as if Osama bin Laden was a fictive character. The really, really bad guy. Um, But we almost um, have feelings. We we wonder about the anti-hero. We wonder about this horrible figure. Um, Because the way he's portrayed in such intimate detail, we learn such secrets about his life um, that we wonder about his quality of life. And this is what we learn In the novel, we learn where he came from, we learn about where his family came from. Um, We don't get into a lot of details about the American involvement with his family, but we do get into some detail, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And most interestingly, uh, the conclusive chapters get into 9-11 and his involvement. So it really builds into an unfolding of event, So we start in the present and we build into the past.
2: Mm-hmm. Starting so it, with his it, capture, This is what I was saying. It
3: reads like a thriller.
2: Mm-hmm. Starting with his capture and then going back to who he was.
3: Exactly. That's why it's so amazingly, um, as a political scientist, as a university professor who had to give many readings to my student, Um, And I always want to keep them interested, and I use a lot of videos, and I use journalistic accounts. This is the kind of book, if I was teaching Middle Eastern politics, that I would include in one class to get the students to understand also the logistics of operations. And it gives you, the you know, the narrator can escape the rigor of science, because the narrator is a journalist. He's also a scientist, but he gives us really captivating details that we're hungry. We want more. Mm hmm. Um, so voila, this is my appreciation of this um great, great piece. Um it reads very fast, um, but it it's so rich with detail and information that if you knew nothing about Osama bin Laden you would read this book, you would know everything that mm-hmm. there is to know. Well, what about,
2: um, what about his relationship? I mean, when, when a man has these kinds of problems, which obviously Bin Laden had, um, it all, as a psychiatrist, I can tell you it all starts with his relationship with his parents. So right. what was
3: his relationship with his mother like? It was not good, and we actually get into that in the novel, in, um, in, uh, Dr. Hurst's book. Um, he seems very detached from his mother. Um, But he gets into details, and he gets into details with his relationship with his father, too, which is also quite fundamental, I would assume. You're the doctor.
2: (laughs) Yes, of course. um, So so, so could you tell us something more than that he was detached from his mother, and then what kind of relationship he had with his father?
3: Well... um, you really do must read the book. Um, but the mother seemed to be a relatively absent figure, um, and the father was a thriving businessman. Um, the problem is that his father has many wives, um, so his his mother had at best a, a secondary position within the hierarchy of the family.
2: His his
3: his own mother.
2: Uh-huh, because he his had father had all siblings. these other women. Yeah, he
3: came from a very, very large family, and he was the only child from this wife.
2: hmm
3: So he was very special to his mother. But because of the very difficult relationship of polygamy and the thriving, very social position of his father, he had a very, very strange upbringing. Mm -hmm. He was a very, very um, lonely child that had trouble communicating. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And, um, well, really, there's so many details in the book, but this is one of the details. But this is what the book will tell you. It will tell you everything about Osama as a person and as a horrible, horrible mastermind of the 9-11 attacks that he was. So it, it, the double narrative is in two extents. As on the one hand, it's at the same time giving you perspectives from the Middle East and the United States, but at the same time, it's also giving you perspectives of Osama bin Laden as a terrorist, but also as a man. Just a vulnerable man that has a limited ability and that has objectives that he can't reach it 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 kind of gives you a clue into his frustration it gives you a taste into it 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 brings us into his head
2: and uh does does the book talk about why he chose um the twin
3: towers well um, there's a discussion of that of course especially that the last chapter is really um the recount everything that happened on 9/11 with very accurate detail precision um, but it also deals with the more um, moral aspects of and um, symbolic aspects of 9 eleven. So yes, it gets well, into yes, why as, why as, tower is the Twin Towers is the whole symbolism of it and
2: well, it, yes, uh, I mean I've long said that the the reason why they chose that is because uh, consciously or unconsciously is because it's they, they're the biggest phallic symbols they were the tallest they were the tallest buildings in the world, and so for him to conquer that to destroy that in a sense was to make him the most powerful person in the world because he um, he shot he shot down literally. Uh, the twin towers, or this big phallic symbol.
3: Well, As we a psychiatrist, need th- I'm sure this is the first thing. <laughs> <that you laughs> yes, <see>. psychiatrists <laughs> think in phallic symbols. <laughs> of course. Um, yes. We we um, that, that music <laughs> means that we
2: need to take a break. My guest is Dr. Catherine Slackman. She is the assistant publisher of Kugito, uh and the which is the publisher that's coming out for a 9-11 release of a new book called The Last Days of Bin Laden by uh, Dr. Guy Brandon Franklin Hurst. And um, it's uh, going to be a very exciting book. Stay tuned for more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. <laughs>
1: the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about a new book that's going to be coming out For 9/11, there's going to be a lot of books coming out on 9/11, but this is going to be the best one. It's called "The Last Days of Bin Laden." It's by Dr. Guy Brandon Franklin Hurst. Um, My guest today is Dr. Catherine Slackman, who did the uh, final edit. Just did the recently, very recently, did the final edit on this book. She is the assistant publisher at Kajito Media. And um, we're talking about aspects of this book. You know, Catherine, you're located in Montreal, right?
3: Yes, indeed.
2: And what, um, you know, I was talking at the beginning of the show about, and well, actually about my frustration. In fact, I, I just recently, uh, this weekend, was on a panel with um, where they showed, after they showed a documentary um, called Love, Hate, Love, which was about, uh three people it followed the lives of three families who had been impacted by various terrorist attacks. so there was one family from nine eleven who lost their son and a family from uh, london seven seven who lost a well a daughter or a sister and um and then a man from who was in Bali and had his legs blown off um, in that terrorist attack so the family and so the the point of the it was a great Documentary and the point of it was to show, you know, love, hate, love. Like there was love in the family, and then then there was this terrible tragedy, and there was hate in the sense of being angry at at terrorists, and you know what happened, and then they found love again, and the family from New York from nine eleven found love um, by keeping their son's memory alive by using the money that they got. Um, from the government, you know, as as being victims of nine eleven, to fund mental health clinics. Uh, they started out in Uganda, and now they've done uh, eleven or twelve um, clinics around the world, mental health clinics to help people in countries that are that are war torn. And then the family in London uh, used the money that they got from the government to build an eye clinic. In, uh, India, because their, their, um, daughter or their sister.
3: Brilliant. What a wonderful, wonderful way to find justice. And somehow maybe peace.
2: And and they, they chose eyes because their, the woman in their family, you know, had problems with her eyesight. Uh, not, not tremendous problems, but she was, she was nearsighted. And then the man who was um, in Bali and had his legs blown off and now works with amputees and tries to help people who have had legs and arms amputated adjust to their life. And the first family, the one from 9-11, they chose to do mental health clinics and they say that Sometimes people ask them, why did you do that instead of providing food or water or these basic things that people in countries like Africa or continents like Africa need? And they said, because without mental health, you can't really enjoy the other things in life like food and water and so on. So yes, it was making, it showed how they made a more positive difference in the world even though they had, they had suffered um, such a tragedy from the loss of their family members, so <laughs> I was starting to say at so so i, I and at, at, on the panel, um I talked about as I often do about how um people need to wake up uh in America that in, unless they start preparing themselves, well, first of all, unless they come to grips with how they 've been impacted by nine eleven even ten years later, you know we wonder how um how come different things? How come the economy is failing? How come uh, there are problems like people, uh, an epidemic of obesity in this country? Well, you know, the economy is failing because people are suffering psychologically. I call it terrorist stress syndrome, a form of post PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and we're not operating at the same level um, emotionally, intellectually, uh, physically as we were before, and. Um, and also, um, of course, physically. Well, there,
3: there would be, a, re, you know, if you think it's a ten-year anniversary of nine eleven, and it really changed people's lives in so many ways. Um, but it, it, it comes to this point, right, when you're ten years later and you want to look back and say, D- but this is when you realize how much this impact impact how much this event impacted everybody's lives.
2: Well, yes, but that's what I was going to ask you, whether people in Montreal or Canada were any more cognizant, any more self-aware than people in the States, because here people are just sticking their head in the ground, um, drinking their lattes, and not really facing things like, I started to say about the uh, obesity
3: epidemic, we're
2: all eating extra food, comfort food, to try to calm our anxieties.
3: Well, you know, no, yes, we are very aware here in Canada. We have a very competent government um, that has security as the main focus. Hmm. Um, And so we're active. You know, Canada is the ally of the United States in so many endeavors and enterprises um, everyday people, you know, when you talk about Canada, you have to talk about the people of Quebec and then about the English Canada. So there are different outlooks, right? Yeah. there are very different cultures in Canada. Um, but 9-11 has affected everybody. And we're all going to feel it here on September 11th. And it, it affects everyone, especially here in Montreal. We're a little island. Montreal is an island. It's not a state, but it's an island city. And we're very open and liberal in Montreal, Um, but 9/11 has changed our lives too here. Um, And this is why it's very opportune. It's the 10-year anniversary, and it's really the time. And I think this is why it's so. This is why I actually really enjoyed this book. And were I teaching, I would still use this book um, to um, show and teach my students. What happened and how did it change people's lives? Um, the book that Dr. Hurst provides for us um, gets into these questions. It's a very short book, um, but it raises these questions and it's for everyone to think about and to simmer. But 9-11, and you talk about obesity and you talk about all these issues and mental health is, really, is such a complex issue. But clearly the trauma and the vulnerability um, that was exposed in these events, and where are we 10 years later? It's a good time to think about this and to try to understand where all these problems that we have, like the economy... Um, you raise health issues, there's many other issues to be raised, but how are they related to 9-11? Well, these are questions for you to answer (laughs) in your next novel um, and research, in your research, but um, what I can and will say is that Dr. Hearst's um, journalistic account of what happened on 9-11 and how he gets into the heads of every single key actor and how it affected the psyche of american society but also the morale of middle eastern society and then he has a little postscript and analyzes the arab spring and the revolution that we've witnessed it ties in so perfectly together and and it makes us think about these things
2: and what um what was your favorite part of the book
3: my favorite part of the book was uh, thoroughly the first chapters. I really felt like I was reading fiction. It was so good that it couldn't be real. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, I very much enjoyed the extremely detailed account, the timely sequence. The what? Of all the key actors. Uh, in, the, in Operation Neptune Spear. This was, for me, the best ever account. It was better than CNN. It was better than Fox. It was better than ABC. It was better than Radio Canada. For me, reading this chapter, because it enables your mind to visualize, but the description was so accurate, um, and you could feel the stress of the actual actors, the people taking down Osama, facing the woman in that room, facing that man. So I love the first chapters um, because it got me captivated. I was like a page-turner. I couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. And then it, right at the onset, it plunged me into Osama's life where he came from, where his family came from. So I was captivated at the onset, and then it enabled me to go deeper into his life. So I I was really... I very much enjoyed the way of the time sequence. You first see what happened, and then you go back through time, you get back to the present, and back again through time. You see where he comes from, where his family comes from, the politics of it. What is the relationship of his family to the Saudi royal family? What is his personal relationship to other countries where he sought exile? What is his relationship to the CIA? What is his relationship to the politics of Afghanistan, of other countries? It is captivating because it's so short. Um, I mean, it's not that short, it's 200 pages, but it reads like you were a witness.
2: Well, that does sound very exciting. Um, I,
3: I mean, if you like to watch the news, it, it, it's even more powerful because you can have these observations and these moral questions that are raised in between the descriptive narrative. He, the author raises fascinating questions, fascinating questions, and he answers them not from his own voice, being the professional scientist that he is, but he answers these questions with a number of voices from different mm-hmm. parts of the world and from different professions. Mm-hmm. He did. Did he do interviews of various people? Of course, okay. and you can read those in the book. <laughs> So this is why, but this is, you know, you're, this is why I'm sorry. I don't want to be as crude. (laughs) You don't want to be what? Um, About the information, but I don't want to reveal it all. (laughs) Um, I'm just trying to get you to have a feeling of the book, which is really like a spy thriller, except it's filled with real, actual, hard data. People's words, word for word, it's just thrilling. Um, this okay, is what we I did, enjoy the most about it. It's the style of narration and the way that the events unfold, and how it enables us as the reader different views into different actors' lives.
2: Okay, Catherine, we just need to take a break now. Um, we'll ha- we'll be coming back with one last segment. My guest is Dr. Catherine Slackman. She is um, the she just did the final edit of this new book coming out. Around 9-11, on the 10th anniversary, of course, of the real 9-11, the original nine eleven, the book is called Bin Laden, The Final Days, the publisher is Kajito. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We'll be right back.
1: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah!
0: Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King she's here to help you through books CDs and helplines having trouble relaxing check out her relaxation CD has the fear of terrorism crippled your life call the terrorism hotline and if you're having trouble with relationships check out her book bad boys Dr. Carol wants to help you today so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com.
1: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind, embrace positively, release the tension, step out of fear host, Simran Singh, will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, talking with the assistant publisher of Kajito, who is about to put out the book that's going to be the best book coming out for the anniversary of 9-11 this year, the 10th anniversary, and it is called Bin Laden, The Final Days, and uh, my guest is Dr. Catherine Slockman, and she has been um, <laughs> very, very, um, what's the word, very carefully <laughs> giving us um, uh, teasers into this book, which, if you don't want to read it by now, just forget it. There's no, there's no book that's going to get your attention. This is, like, really important. The cover itself tells you that you have to see what's going on in that living room. So, um, you know, it's just so, it's, it's, the cover is so amazing because, uh, that picture, because, you know, we, we think of him, on the one hand, I mean, he's, the, he's called the king of terror, and so we think of him on the one hand, um, you know, some views are like he's he was hiding in a cave, and um, I mean, that was the view for a very long time. And uh, without, well, sometimes it was said that he didn't have very much in the cave, and other times it was said that the cave was outfitted with all kinds of luxuries and all kinds of technological advances and so on. But this picture showing him in this very bare room with a um, blanket over his shoulders and a beard. I mean, he looks like he's living in some poor section of a
3: city. Uh (laughs) He looks like a poppy. (laughs) What? He looks like an old grandpa that's old and done. Exactly, exactly, almost like an alcoholic just sitting there. This is who he was, and this is what... This is what is interesting, Um, one of the things that is interesting about Dr. Hearst's uh, portrayal of the situation is that it shows us this man, when he is like this, like we see him on the cover, but it shows us where he came from to become like this. Mm. He was a man at the top of the world, and he was a man at the bottom of the world who ended up at the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um very <and> well said. <laughs> no. Isn't it? Uh so this is this is what's very exciting about the narration style and the data and the information that is provided to us is that we get intimate detail of um Osama's life. We his rise and fall. Of his life and fall. Um we get irrelevant details about his childhood but that make it so interesting don't we all want to know the gossip always
1: absolutely
3: (laughs) um so this is what i like a lot about the book is that it kind of gives us gossip but from a scientist's perspective (laughs) so it's the the national choir It uh, a scientific american Right. No, but it's very interesting, because we get all these accounts of who this man was, and they're very different accounts. Mm -hmm. The people from the Middle East, and even within the Middle East, the people from Saudi, and the people to other countries he emigrated to, and the people from Afghanistan, don't have the same thing to say about him. Mm. As the people in the U.S., right? Or even among themselves, there is no coherent position. So, who is Osama? Osama? Well, nobody can really tell us, Um, but we can learn a little bit more about him from all these different people's perspectives. The people who knew him personally. This is what is interesting. We get firsthand accounts of people who knew this man personally and who dealt with him and or who dealt with him personally.
2: Yes, that sounds fascinating. So Um, this
3: is why it's, it's the book to read, because this man... Our author was chosen because he is the expert and he has this sensitivity and this wisdom and this scientific approach and this journalistic approach that enables us um, this intimacy. We get into this intimacy with Osama bin Laden. This is what every chapter does. It brings us closer and closer First, we see it from a distance as the observer from the Navy SEAL's perspective. Then we get into the White House's perspective. And then we get into the perspective of the local people from his family across the region, the Middle East, back to the States, back to the Middle East. Yet, um, it is not a heavy account Mm -hmm. of events. Mm -hmm. It, It doesn't give you a headache. It makes you want to read more and find out more. It raises questions. It answers questions. But it's not boring. So much social science is so boring. This book makes you want to learn more. Mm-hmm. So this, yes. according to me, is what is the exceptional value of this book.
2: Well, yes, that sounds uh, very enticing because, I mean, I-, I know people get turned off if it's too... Well, some people get turned off if of or the general public for the most part, if it gets to be too historic or or too laden down, I should say with um with uh just facts and not really giving this personality, but I love the fact that there are all these different perspectives from people who personally knew him. That's very cool. And, in fact, from the cover, it's like we're being invited into his living room or whatever kind exactly, of room that was. Exactly.
3: This is what makes it so interesting to read, but yet it's not written from just anybody. It's written with from an author that has the credentials to write about it, that has the experience to write about it, and that has the knowledge to write about it. So it's really, it's so much fun to read. I swear, I thought this could have been one of the most amazing fiction stories of the world, yet it was a real story. Mm -hmm. And the way it's told makes it read like a novel.
2: So where, and where does the author currently live? I'm reading that his, Uh, He has a doctorate in religious studies from Cambridge
3: University. Where does he currently live? Well, he is a British individual. Um, That is, um, well, we need to verify that with him, but he's normally based in the U.K., Mm-hmm. Okay. so he yes. we don't has want to give out his this ad- objectivity that is not American nor Middle Eastern.
2: Mm.
3: We don't want to give out his address because there might be some people looking for him.
2: <laughs> yes, it's true,
3: and no, initially, we didn't even want to reveal the name of the author mm. mm um, but he did such an amazing job in providing us with such a thrill into an actual real life story um that he deserves the credit,
2: yes, yes,
3: and we in this same style of live on the scene, this is what this is what I think my publishing house does that's very unique on the market, is that not only does it provide journalistic accounts, but anybody could do that. But what my enterprise does is that it brings in talent, people with PhDs, people that have 10 books that have been published, journalists, um, people that have won prizes, like yourself. <laughs> Dr. Lieberman. <laughs> um, Thank you. And we bring really original insights from experts. And in these types of books, not like uh, this is a different type of book, this is a book about um, real-life current news events, what we do is that we bring this news event, but with a literary quality and real scientific fact to back it up.
2: Yes, yes. Well, again, I think this is going to be if you're if you're listening, if you're only planning on buying one book, um, you know of the whichever ones come out for this 10th anniversary of 9/11, it should be this one, The Last Days of Bin Laden, uh, by Dr. Guy Brandon Franklin Hurst. And um, uh, and uh I hear music already, and I, I presume people can buy it where books are sold, Barnes and & Noble and all the regular bookstores as well as Amazon and, Bar- and the Internet bookstores, correct?
3: Yes, of course, in all the great libraries and bookstores um, and on the Internet, Amazon, everything. Absolutely.
2: Again, the book is called The Last Days of Bin Laden. And the I'd
3: final I'd like days. To thank the you, final Dr. days.
2: What did you say? The final days. The final days. I'm sorry. I'm looking at... Okay, it was changed. Bin Laden, the final days. Yes. <laughs> Bin Laden, the final days. Say You get the picture. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Catherine Slachman, who obviously did a very fine and intensive edit of a final edit. Of this book, and I'm sure that that uh, is going to contribute to uh, our very much to our appreciation of it. I mean, you're, we can tell your passion for the book, and obviously, that must have come through in the edit. So, again, the book is called Bin Laden: The Final Days. Thank so, you so
3: much, Dr. Lieberman. It was such a pleasure and an honor, and I hope that you enjoy the book.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, we'll have to do this again with. Um, once it's out. Our <laughs> wonderful
3: new books to come. Yes, and Nessie uh, and the Oslo Massacre.
2: Yes, yes. Well, okay. Um let me say goodbye. <laughs> it's been it's been quite a whirlwind and and I guess that that's, uh, that's like the like the book as well as far as um, really bringing you into the minds and and taking you on a whirlwind tour. So again, the book has been Laden, the final days. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.